Welcome to the Sojo Show with Jen and AJ, where you'll dig deep into God's Word alongside two imperfect, frequently ineloquent women as we discover fresh ways to walk out God's truth together. All right, welcome back to the Sojo Show. We are glad to have you. I am Jen, and I'm here along with AJ. Hello. Hello. We are back in Nehemiah <laughs> for the last time. Aww. And my voice sounds a little scratchy today. I need to clear it, maybe. All right, while you're answering my question, I will do that. Okay, sounds good. All right, so here's my question, and I'm interested to know kind of your answer. What is the longest sermon that you have ever listened to or the longest (laughs) biblical teaching you have ever sat through or stood through? Oh, okay. So this is a good question. Um, I'm not really sure because I don't remember a specific incident, but I will say that when I was younger, I was super like introverted and not just introverted, but like extremely shy. So I never did anything to draw any attention to myself. So like getting up out of the service to go to the restroom or for a drink of water or anything like that was, I was just, I would never do it. Like I literally would never cough or even sneeze. I'd learned how to repress my sneezes. I was so like, I did not want anybody ever looking at me. So (laughs) the longest sermon would have to be like when I needed to use the bathroom. (laughs) Oh dear. (laughs) <laughs> and wouldn't get up to go. <laughs> and it's just like those times when you just pray for it to finish, right? <laughs> makes it longer, right? Yeah, it makes yeah. it longer. You're just like, oh, Lord, please hurry up. Let him get done fast. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. person never worked. Just FYI, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that can make it longer for sure. Um, And the reason I asked this question is because the chapter that we're going to be talking about in Nehemiah is a chapter in which. 42,000 people gathered together, stood up for a six hour approximately sermon. Wow. And reading a very long sermon. I know. Isn't it cool? (laughs) Yeah, that is cool. And that's a lot of people to like do that. And this was like willingly, right? Oh, yeah. They asked for it. So <laughs> we are in the, willingly, I love it. We are in Nehemiah chapter eight today. If you have been following along, we have gone through Nehemiah. We're going through the book of Nehemiah in Socho Academy this month. And we're not going to be able to touch on all the points of it, obviously, but we've gone through several points in the podcast this month. And this particular discussion is going to be based on chapter eight, Nehemiah chapter eight. And really at this point in the history, in this point of where we are in the book, the walls have been rebuilt. Okay. And Nehemiah has dealt with a lot of opposition. And you've heard us talking about that this month. If you've been listening, opposition externally, opposition internally, um, and then opposition externally again. But one of the internal oppositions was that if you remember the Jews were like, Uh, being unfair to each other. They were cheating each other. I mean, it was kind of crazy. And now they are at a point where they have rebuilt the wall. It is complete. And then we see in chapter eight that they actually instigate this and they go up. Where is it? The people gathered and they told Ezra the scribe. So Ezra, who wrote the, uh, the book of the Bible named Ezra, or it was about him. Ezra 
and Nehemiah were contemporaries, right? And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand. And then he goes on, he read for it, read from the book from early morning until midday in the presence of the men. And then it even goes on, it talks about how he stood in the platform. They were all standing as he was reading from the book of the law of Moses. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And then it talks about these people, Jeshua, Bannies, all these people. Anyway, in verse seven, look at all those people. And it says that they helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. So technically he read from the law for like half a day. And then these Levites explained it to the people. So really the sermon was more than six hours. So this is just fascinating. So that's the first thing. That's just the historical part. That's just what actually happened. And I don't know. I I, I think that, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, what kind of God-inspired, God-breathed event was this? To take a group of people who had been cheating each other and then them asking for a day-long sermon and application. Well, I love how in verse one of chapter eight, it says all the people gathered as one man. So their hearts were completely united around this desire to hear the word of God. You Mm -hmm. know, and I think a lot of that is prompted by they had been working towards this mission together. You know, they had been united in their mission for so long. And now here that continued into wanting to hear from the Lord. And they asked Ezra, okay, bring bring the book of the law and read it to us. Mm-hmm. You know, they were hungry for this. They were hungry. They weren't ready to go their separate ways. You know, the wall had been finished, but they were not ready to end the togetherness that they had and the centrality of God that they had experienced through this you know, building of the wall. And so I just love how they were so united and it continued into wanting to be obedient to the Lord too. You know, they heard the the word, they wanted the word explained to them, you know, they wanted to be doers of, of what they were hearing. And right. seeing that heart is so encouraging. Right. I think that they also were not this was not something they had been doing. This was not a habit that they had been um, Mm -hmm. doing over the years. Um, And they're coming back to this. And I think this is very encouraging for us as well, because so, so they focused on the physical wall, but God wanted more than that. He wanted their hearts. Right. Right. And so he breathed this desire into them. I truly believe that. And as they were working this desire was building. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, they didn't want to leave that. And this was something that was relatively new or new again to them. And I think this is encouraging for us today, just a little minor point in that if you are at a place where maybe this is not a habit for you either, maybe you're not in the habit of being in the word of God, um, that can change. 
that can change. The Holy Spirit can build that yearning in our lives. And as we get into the word more and more and we study it and we read it, even if we don't necessarily feel like it, as we work towards the mission like these people were doing, as we as we, you know, do the things that the disciplines, if you will, the spiritual disciplines that we are to do, then that yearning will grow and grow and grow. And we won't want to leave it either. Yeah. So yeah, you don't think, be discouraged if you feel, if you don't feel super passionate about it. If you feel like these people were a little bit crazy for sitting there all day long, don't feel discouraged about that. God can build that in your heart as well, that fire. Yeah. I think that's a really good point because there have been times definitely in my life when that passion has waned. And yeah. it's not so strong as other times. And, you know, and I think just staying with it anyway is really important. But also, and we see this in this passage, being around other people who do have the passion. Mm-hmm. You know, if if we are not in a place where we're super motivated, you know, in our walk with the Lord or in being consistent in the word, in prayer and and other spiritual disciplines that we know are important. Put yourself around others who are, yes. because that is a great way to be just reminded of what is possible, what we could have that intimacy with the Lord that is possible and the benefits of doing so. You know, when you see the joy in their lives and you see the passion and the way God is speaking with them, that is motivation to get back in it ourselves. And so I see that right here in this in this chapter too. Yeah. And one way he spoke to them was obviously through his word. His word became devastating to them as we will see. But the other way he spoke to them was through men of God who were explaining mm-hmm. the word. I yeah. love that this was mentioned that all these men's names that said that they read from the book from the law clearly and they gave the sense so the people understood the reading. Mm-hmm. That's what my version says. And I think that although I believe that Holy Spirit can speak to anyone in, in, in any single, any person, any of you through his word, and he does, he does. I think it sometimes, isn't it helpful to have someone else to make sense of it for us sometimes? And I think this is where faithful teachers, faithful preachers, a local church come in come in into play along with the fact that you have these other people with you like you mentioned AJ you also have faithful leaders and teachers and and facilitators and preachers of the word who can help you to make sense of it as well so i mean i just i, I think that these men who preach these women who teach these people who are uh, are leading us in some way we we should not take that for granted because there's a purpose for that there's a purpose yeah. that reminds me of Ephesians 4 um verse 11 and 12 it says and he referring to God gave apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And he's talking in chapter, he's talking about the church and he's talking about how the church, which is us, this is the New Testament, how we are built. And it is through the giftings that he has placed in other people. And so we cannot, you know, we're not a solo church. There's no such thing as doing church at home. (laughs) You know, we are part of a bigger body of Christ and we all have different giftings. And we've talked about this before on the podcast as well. And we need each other's giftedness to attain that maturity that we see is is possible in scripture. So yes, to your point, I mean, right here in Nehemiah, we see something that's being explained more fully for us in the New Testament when it talks about the church in Ephesians. Yeah. Okay. I want to circle back to, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I want to circle back to what happens after these people have been listening to the word of God. And, and you were talking about how they take action. And I found it very interesting and so encouraging in verses 9 through 12 when they were talking about um, they were mourning and weeping for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. And I mean, their response, they let the law lie dormant for years. Okay, years. And they had not been studying it, as we, as we mentioned earlier. And now that they're hearing it for the first time in a long time, or some of them for the first time, maybe ever, what does it produce in them? It produced like almost just a devastation, a conviction, a mourning, a weeping. And, and that's what the word of God can do for us. But then Nehemiah and, and these, these priests, they turn it around. They say, okay, this is a holy day. Again, it's another role of these leaders. They're saying, you know, it's okay. You need to move forward. This is the holy day. Do not mourn or weep. This day is holy. Do not be grieved. These, they're leading them in what needs to happen next. And if you look down for further, the next thing that happens is they reinstitute this tradition, this feast of booths, is that what they called it, where they lived outside the city gates for seven days. And they literally read the word of God for seven days, right? And it's this feast and this this whole thing. And they had not been practicing it, but they they moved forward in that. So they actually took action from that. So they went beyond their devastation, beyond their weeping and beyond their conviction to action. And they did that with the help of godly men. And I just, I think there's a lot there we can take out of that. A lot of that hit my heart. And because the, because my Bible study does not end on me, it can't, it cannot just end on me. It can't be to make me feel good or to make me feel convicted or it has to then, there have to be legs to it and it has to move forward and I have to take action. And there's so much in just in that little bit that I was, that spoke to me tremendously. Yeah. Well, and to pick it apart just a little bit more, we too can have regret. You know, when we read the word of God or when we see something fresh in God's word, and then we look back on our lives and we realize, oh, wow, I've missed however many years of understanding this truth and living in accordance with this truth. 
like our hearts can grieve too. Like this has happened to me and, and hopefully it'll happen more, right? Because God's word should feed me and be revelatory for the rest of my life. But, you know, that can cause a sense of grief and regret Mm -hmm. in us. And I think this is really sweet to see in the word of God when that happens, we don't need to get mired in that grief and regret. You know, we need to rejoice that we now know something going forward that we can take action on, that we can allow to shape our lives. You know, we, and like you said, you mentioned, you know, we can't get mired in the past. We can't stay where we're at. We can decide to move forward with the truths that we are, we're given at any point in our lives. So, you know, and I hear this from time to time, I get emails in my inbox from people who said, who say something like, you know, I'm 70 years old or I'm, you know, 80, I'm, I'm in the last days of my life. And I wish I had known this earlier, you know, and I think that is common to all of us. It doesn't matter what age we're at. There are things we learn and it's easy for us to be saddened by that, that we didn't know it earlier in our lives. And yet that's not where we need to camp. You know, we need to be hopeful and face forward and take those truths and run with them to the best of our ability with the strength of the Lord and live them out for the rest of our days and forget what's behind us. Yes. Yes. We can take that, 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 regret and refocus it, refocus that shame that we feel because we all have those feelings with, you know, we just yeah. we do because we're humans. So we can refocus that shame on the mercy and the grace that we've been given to even be now aware of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you were saying, no matter where you are in your life, if you're aware, if you're convicted, if you feel that to any degree, that's a grace from God. That is a mercy and that can be our focus and be, and we can praise him for that and we can move forward from where we are now and, and allow the mourning to come, allow the weeping to come, but don't sit in that. As you said, don't, don't let that be where you, where you land, take that refocus it and, and look to the mercy of God and let that re fuel your fire to point others to that and and to to get uh, that's one of the reasons that AJ and I do what we do online is to try our very best to just express to women how important it is to be in the word so that you know they then can see his mercy and his grace and that's what we can it's a it's a cycle it's a cycle. We feel it. We don't stay in it. We move forward from it and we can point others to the cross. And in doing so, that is building the wall. That is our mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Well, that sounds like a a powerful word to end on, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Once again, there's a lot in this chapter. Go there and read is. it. There is, there's a lot to learn from it. So we hope that you um, will will go through, read Nehemiah again, read the chapter. Feel free to jump in on our study at any time. We'll have it linked. Um, but remember God's grace, God's goodness, uh, even in the fact that he gave us 
this story to touch our hearts even today, so many years later. So many That's thousands right. years later. This this book is just it's a powerful, powerful book. So yes, I want to encourage you to just ditto what Jen said. Read the book from cover to cover, page to page. It is it will bless your life. And you, I promise you will find takeaways for your life in this book that's however many years old, thousands of years old. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope y'all have a good week. Whatever time you're listening to us, enjoy the rest of your day. And we will be back next week where we're going to dive into some more practical ways to use the precepts in this book. We'll see you then. (laughs) Bye. Hey guys, it's AJ here with a personal question. Do you ever long to connect with other women over God's word? If so, I'd like to personally invite you to be part of our online Bible study community. Sojo Academy is where Jen and I meet via Zoom every week with our global community to discuss God's word, pray, and share what we are learning with each other. In Sojo Academy, you'll get a fresh Bible study every month, as well as weekly meetups, Bible journaling kits, accountability, community, and an entire library of workshops and Bible study tutorials. Jumpstart your walk with God and come hang out with us live this week. Visit SojoAcademy.com and we'll see you inside.